we have been in this sermon series called Stuck. So if you have your Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find the book of Matthew. Okay, the book of Matthew, we're going to be in chapter 26. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, right? You have two parts of your Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. So that first book, Matthew, uh, find that, Matthew 26, and we're going to look at it. Like I said, we've been in a series of messages entitled Stuck. We're talking about freedom because God wants us to be free. Oh, hi. Hi. I was supposed to dismiss the kids. Um, if you are an elementary student, you can uh, follow, follow Lara out there. I'm sorry. See what happens when I get too many things on my brain. My bad. All right. Now we can start. All right. We, uh, I'm going to do something really awkward right now, okay? Not that anything else this morning hasn't been awkward at all. We, we record this, and so I'm going to start all over, okay? So just pretend. Everybody's put your smile back on and pretend you haven't heard what I just said, okay? Josiah, edit this out. Okay, great. Uh, okay, if you have a Bible this morning, <laughs> I want you to open it to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 26. Matthew is in the second part of your Bible, right? The first part, the Old Testament. The second part, the New Testament. First book is Matthew. Find Matthew 26, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. Well, we've been in this series entitled Stuck, and we're talking about freedom. We're talking about freedom because God wants us to be free so that, we can be, so that we can move forward and not be stuck in the same spot 10 years from now, okay? Here's the deal. In January, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek right now, okay? This isn't even in my notes. But in January, we are going to be unveiling this five-year plan that we have as a church to really take the people of our church and the, um, the, the good news of Jesus like to a whole new level in different places, and we're doing this series on stuck very strategically because we feel like if we unveil this five-year plan and we say, hey, church, we got to go. We got to do this. We have to move forward in this. But we're still stuck in the past. That, that new vision means nothing, right? So this, what we've been talking about for the past six, seven weeks and what we're talking about for the next three, four weeks in this series stuck it's a big deal. We need to get rid of this stuff so that we can move on to what God has for us, okay? And so, big deal, big deal. The reality is so many Christians are just stuck. Stuck in all sorts of things. Things that are holding us back. Things that are keeping us from experiencing everything that he has for us. Things that are keeping us from growing, and so this morning is, is kind of a continuation from last week. And I know we didn't have church in this location last week, but if you went to Sock Center or you watched it online, we talked about forgiveness and how all of us have, we've been wounded at different points in our lives, right? There's somebody who's done something, and some of those wounds are deep and dark and serious. And many people are stuck in their life and in their relationship with God because because they carry around with them unforgiveness from those things that have happened in the past. And we talked about how do you get rid of that? How do you let go? How do you forgive? Okay, and we talked about how forgiveness isn't necessarily forgetting. It's not trusting someone right away again. It's not that things disappear and everything's just perfect, okay? So if, if you missed that message, please 
please find it on our website. Watch that thing. It's important. In fact, if you've missed any of these messages on Stuck, we've talked about mental health. We've talked about, um, we've talked about pornography. We've talked about all these different things, sexual sin, all, th- all sorts of things that we can get stuck in. So please, if you haven't seen all of these messages or heard all of them, check them out for real. If you don't, when January comes around, we're not going to be as effective as a church at moving forward because we may still be stuck. So let's figure this stuff out. So last week, unforgiveness, the topic for today is just as important and just as difficult, maybe even more difficult because as difficult as it is to forgive somebody else, Many of us are stuck because we haven't been able to forgive ourselves. Because not only have we been hurt by others, but sometimes we've been the cause of hurt. Sometimes even people that we truly love and care about are the people that we've hurt. We've said things, we've done things, things we're ashamed of. And for many of us here today, we've never truly been able to get past some of this stuff. We've, we've carried the shame and the guilt from the things that we've done. Those are going to be our two key words for today. Shame and guilt. We carry that with us from what we've done. And some of us, before we met God, and I say us very purposely, I didn't find Jesus really until I was about 20 years old. And before we found Jesus, we did a lot of things that hurt a lot of people and we are very ashamed of. And maybe... We understand that Jesus has forgiven us of those things, but the harder part is, how do I forgive myself? And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you drank too much one night and you did something that you can't undo, or you said something that you can't unsay. Maybe it was years ago, you were in your teens or your 20s, and you made what you thought was the right decision, but, but you have regretted it ever since. Maybe even in the name of loving your family, you, you did what you thought was best. You worked hard to provide, but now years later, you are disconnected from your kids or your spouse, and, and you're thinking to yourself now, like, you have this regret, this remorse, why did I do that? The most important things in my life were right in front of me, and, but I was focused on something else. Maybe you found yourself in a difficult spot in your marriage, and instead of stepping into your marriage, you stepped out of your marriage, and you did something and you just can't get over the guilt of that. Maybe it's looking at things on the internet you know you shouldn't look at, and you love God, and you love your spouse, but you keep on going back to this thing again and again, and the shame and the guilt are overwhelming you now. What do you do when the shame and the guilt, what do you do when the things that you did haunt you, when the guilt just simply won't go away? Well, this morning, we're going to look at the story of two different people in the Bible. And both of these people were disciples of Jesus, and both failed pretty miserably, okay? And from their failures, they both experienced heavy levels of guilt, shame, regret, remorse. But in the end, they responded very, very differently. We're going to look at the stories of Peter and Judas. So, we're going to get into this today. Please stand with me. Out of respect for God's word, we're going to read Matthew chapter 26, verses 20 through 25 and 31 through 35. They'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, that's even better. Um, You can follow along with me as I read. So here's verse 20. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, 
Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad. And they began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. And then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. Verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Let's pray. Lord, we have all messed up, but in your amazing grace and your mercy, you have forgiven us. Even so, sometimes we still hang on to the shame and the guilt. Just help us to see the places in our life that we, have, we still have this shame and guilt and help us to figure out what it looks like to start to let go of that today. Uh, you know, just, God, thank you for your power to overcome these terrible things in our lives that we have done to ourselves. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm about to share something with you. Uh, one of the most shameful moments of my life. And when I'm done, it's going to sound silly to you, but um, I need you to not hold it over my head, okay? And I need you to not look at me like a total loser, okay? But I'm going to tell you anyway because I trust you and I think this is a big deal. So before I moved to Sox Center, became the executive pastor there, I was a children's pastor at a church in Cold Spring for eight years. Um, every Wednesday night, we had a Wednesday night ministry like you guys do here for kids. I was the children's pastor. I would take my sixth grade boys, uh, fifth and sixth grade boys, down to this, we called it the old youth building. It was literally, it was like this room here, but imagine no carpet, um, no paint. It was just concrete and blank. It was, it was nothing. And we would go down there and we would play dodgeball or something like that. This night we played dodgeball. Now, I had this one sixth grade boy uh, who was just bigger and stronger than everybody else. And we were playing dodgeball, and he was out there, and he was just like, boom, you're out, boom, you're out, boom, you're out. And that would be okay, but the problem was he was starting to let it get to his head a little bit. He was getting a little cocky. He's like, yeah, what's up, what's up, you know, like that. And I'm standing on the sidelines watching this, and I'm just like, this has to stop. This is not okay. And now I'm, I'm distantly related to this kid too. And so I'm like, I need to teach this kid a lesson. And so I'm like, okay, Pastor Corey's in. And I walk in and I pick up one of those rubber playground balls. Oh, this was before those wimpy gator skin. This is like legit dodgeball. I was a pitcher and a quarterback when I played football and baseball. I'm like, I, I used to throw fastballs in the upper 80s, okay? I could throw the ball hard. And so I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke this kid. And so he was out there, and I wind up, and I let it rip, just poof. And as it's coming at him, he sees it, and he just, his eyes just get huge, and he ducks. 
Okay, here's the problem. I had this kid who was this big, tough guy. I also had a kid that was complete opposite. And he was in the background, literally skipping. In the back of the gym. And right when I let the ball go and Josh ducked, I'm like, the Lord hates me. Because they were lined up. And so the ball came, hit him on the side of the head, picked him up off the ground, feet parallel to the ground. Boom! Josh turns around, looks, looks back at me, and he goes, you killed him! And I'm like, and I took off running. I ran to this kid, and I'm on the floor with him, and I'm like, Noah, Noah, are you okay? And he just looks up at me, and he goes, ouch. I'm like, he's okay. Still to this day, I see him every, probably once a year up at camp or something like that. And every time I see him, I just have this like, inside of me, right? Like I just have this sick feeling like, how you doing? You haven't had any concussions or any brain damage lately, have you? Like I haven't caused anything. It was It was bad. Um, Now, this is obviously a comical example of shame. The bad thing is, is this type of thing has happened two other times in my life. If you want to hear those stories, I can tell you one time I accidentally hit this girl in my grade square in the forehead with the volleyball. I was trying to mess with her, and I screwed up. And another time, I was a TA for a, a gym class, a teacher assistant, and I spiked the volleyball right in this ninth grade girl's face and, like, broke Okay. Well, all right comical things, things that didn't really last, but many of us have much more real examples, including myself, and I'm not going to share some of those examples of shame and guilt with you this morning. Um, But before we get to Peter and Judas, we need to understand that there are different kinds of guilt, okay? And the first one that I kind of want to get out of the way, but it's still a big deal, is this idea, we're going to call it false guilt, okay, false guilt. It's this feeling of guilt for something that you really shouldn't feel guilty about, okay? Maybe, okay, this is very real, all right? This is very real. Maybe some of you um, here this morning, you have had a parent's Maybe your parents got divorced when you were children and you have this thought in your head like, I could have done something. Maybe it was my fault. What did I do wrong, right? You have this guilt or maybe somebody at some point took advantage of you or they abused you in some way. And it is a very common thing for victims of abuse to feel so ashamed. They start to begin to, they begin to think like, this is my fault. I must have done something to deserve this. Listen, Two quick minutes right here, and I believe this is for somebody or multiple somebodies in this room. Some of you here today, you feel stuck in guilt and shame for something that is not your fault. You have this false guilt. You are not responsible for your parents' divorce. You are in no way at fault for the abuse that you experience. Okay, so listen, right now I want to declare... Okay, I believe that Jesus can set you free even right now from that. That you hearing this can be like, this is God speaking to me. This is not something I should feel guilty anymore. I I want to just declare freedom from that false guilt. Guilt that you do not deserve. So be free from that. Check this out. Guilt is defined as a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, or wrong, whether real or imagined. Feeling of remorse, whether real or imagined. And some of us, we had, have created this feeling with the help of our spiritual enemy, of course. And today, 
is the day that you can receive freedom from that. See, Satan wants to use that false guilt, guilt to keep us stuck. So today, maybe even right now, or at the end of the service when we pray for this, I would love for you to be unstuck from that. So that's false guilt. That's false guilt. And I, I didn't spend much time on it, but please understand, it's a big deal. There are two other types of guilt that we're going to spend a little bit more time on today. And this is where we're going to compare Peter and Judas. So let's take another look at the verses that we started with. These verses show the beginning of these stories with Peter and Judas. And then we'll continue on from there, okay? So it all starts at what we call the Last Supper, right? We took communion together this morning. This is where we get that. This is that whole story. While Jesus and his disciples were eating um, what turns out to be their last meal together, actually, Jesus drops this bomb, Right, right in the middle of their dinner. Imagine this with me, okay? They're just chilling. They're eating um, bread and lamb and drinking and having a merry old time with their buds that they've been so close to for the last three years. When all of a sudden Jesus stands up and he's just like, clink, 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 I have an announcement to make. Uh, one of you is going to betray me. Like, whoa. Talk about a mood killer, right? All of a sudden, like party pooper, out of, out of nowhere, no warning, just bam, the bomb is dropped. They're having fun, and the life is sucked out of the party like, what? They all start looking around, and they start saying, it can't be me, Lord, it can't be me, Lord, until Judas looks at Jesus and says, well, it can't be me, Lord, and he said, you said it, not me. And Judas busts out of the house, and his treachery is on then a little bit later, after Judas leaves, after this whole thing goes down, they're back to eating again. And then Jesus uh, is talking about communion, and he gets done with that. And then he drops another bomb. He says, hey, before tonight is over, you all are going to desert me. Remember, this is soon after Ju Judas is called out, and he busts out of the room. And the guys are over there probably thinking, like, that Judas is a dirtbag. I would never do anything like that to my brothers or to Jesus. And here Jesus says, it's, it's not just Judas who is going to walk away from me. It's all of you. And they all deny it, right? They're like, not me, not me. And then Jesus turns to Peter specifically, and he says, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. Okay, meanwhile... Judas is off chatting with the Pharisees, the group of Jewish leaders who want to see Jesus killed. And, and Judas sets up a plan for them to capture Jesus. So G Judas, he brings these Roman soldiers to the place where Jesus and his disciples are praying after dinner. And he hands Jesus over to them. Right? He signifies which one Jesus is by kissing him on the cheek. And they now know that's the guy. Let's get him. So Jesus then is brought back into Rome. He's thrown in prison. He's beaten. And there, these huge crowds outside um, are outside waiting to hear the sentencing of Jesus. And there, a little girl walks up to Peter and says, hey, hey, you were one of his closest followers. And Peter's like, no way. You, you, you've mistaken me for someone else. It's not me. And then a bit later, a second person calls him out, and he denies it. And then again, uh, a third person and a third denial. And right then, I need you to see this. Luke twenty two sixty one, It says that right as Peter is denying Jesus for the third time, the rooster crows and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine this? Jesus is up there getting whipped, getting beaten. He's all bloody or whatever. And all of a sudden the rooster crows and he's like, Whoo! and he finds Peter and they connect eyes. 
It says, but before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times, right? Peter remembers that so clearly, and he went out and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. The shame, the guilt, the remorse that Peter must have felt. Can you imagine? Imagine how he would have felt. Like, Jesus looks right at him like, see, it's happening. I'm sure you can imagine how this feels because we've all felt guilt like this. We've all denied Jesus in some way or another, and we've all made mistakes other ways as well. Now understand, both Judas and Peter did things that made them feel horrible guilt and shame. But what did these feelings do to them? Were they the same type of guilt and shame? Uh, We're going to just take a little bit of a look at what happens to each of them after their uh, kind of denials happen here. So we're told in Matthew chapter 27 that Judas sees Jesus the next morning after he betrays him, after he hands him over. He sees that Jesus bound and handed over to the Romans to be crucified. We, we see this, uh, when he sees this, scripture tells us that he is full of remorse. Some versions even say he changes his mind because he brings the 30 pieces of silver that the Pharisees paid him to betray Jesus. He brings it back to the Pharisees and he throws them at their feet feet and says, I have sinned. Like, stop this. He's an innocent man. Don't do this. And they ignore him. They brush him off and Judas feels so much guilt that he goes and he hangs himself. He kills himself over this guilt, over this remorse that he has. How about Peter? Well, we see it later on um, down the story, right? Jesus is then hung on the cross. He's crucified. Um, Peter denies him three times, right? Judas hangs himself. Um, Jesus is then buried. And then three days later, we know the story, right? He raises from the dead. No big deal, whatever. Uh, A few days later, after Jesus' resurrection, Peter has this encounter with Jesus that I want you to see. In John 21, this is so cool. In John 21, Peter and six other disciples are out fishing. And this dude on the shore is like, hey, how you guys doing out there? You catching anything? And they're like, no, it's dead, it's dead. He's like, hey, throw your nets on the other side. Okay, this is the same thing he did when he called uh, Peter, James, and John uh, to come and follow him the first time. And so he's like, throw your nets on the other side. So they do it, and there's this ridiculous amount of fish that they catch. And John, John must be the smart one, or it's just his gospel, so he says he did it. But John says, it's the Lord. John figures it out. And when Peter hears John say, it's the Lord, he jumps into the water. Like, I picture, um, I picture Forrest Gump when Lieutenant Dan is, like, on the bridge, and he's like, Forrest, and he's like, oh, Lieutenant Dan, he's like, what? He just jumps in the water, right, and his boat crashes, and, like, that's what I picture Peter is. Peter sees Jesus, realizes it's Jesus, and he's like, I cannot wait to get to this dude. Imagine, if Peter had so much shame and guilt over this, how could he want to go to the one that he denied? Something has changed inside of him, right? A little later, after this happens, uh, they cook dinner, and, and Jesus pulls Peter off to the side, and three times he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus finish, finishes the encounter, and he says, then take care of my sheep. And this is kind of a reinstatement. Peter is reinstated as a disciple, as an apostle, And Judas hangs himself after the actions. 
Peter's reinstated. Judas hangs himself. What was the difference? They both felt guilt and shame. Peter went away weeping bitterly. What, what happened here? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Check this out. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. We see very clearly these two types of sorrow, godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, played out in these two guys, Peter and Judas. This godly sorrow or godly remorse can actually be a gift. It can be like this beautiful, helpful thing that puts you on the right track. It's like this conviction. It's this feeling of, I did something wrong. It wasn't right, but I want to make it right. It's this feeling that can drive you off the wrong path onto the right path if you let it, this godly sorrow. We should, it's not that we shouldn't feel guilt or remorse. Maybe we should, we should, but it should be godly sorrow. Or we could say godly shame or godly guilt. It leads us to repentance. And repentance is changing direction, right? Like I was doing this and I know it's wrong. I want to repent of it and I want to go the opposite direction. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do what's right, Godly sorrow brings that, and it's good. It's from God, and it leads to salvation, and it leaves no regret. That's the kind of sorrow, the kind of conviction that I want. But there's also worldly sorrow, or worldly guilt, or worldly shame, and the scripture just says that it leads to death. For the sake of the conversation today, we could say that worldly sorrow leads to a spiritual life that is stuck. We're we're hanging on to these things that cause us to believe that we are dirty, that we are not forgiven, that we are not worthy. We're not worthy to be loved by God. That's, That's the way we feel because of these things. And both of our guys in our stories today, they both had these moments in their life, right? Peter wept bitterly when he denied Jesus. Jesus, Judas felt remorse when he realized what he had done. And we've had this too. Like, I can't believe I did what I did. I am so, so, so sorry. I was so stupid. How many of you ever said words like that before? I can't think about how many times I've said those. And this is where the split between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow happens, okay? Because we start to think think things like, how could God love someone like me? Someone that never gets it right, that always fails, that always falls short, that always hurts the one I love. How could God forgive me? How could he love me? Understand, the moment that you start thinking like that, the devil has you exactly where he wants you. The moment you are dwelling in your shame, your spiritual enemy has you in his corner. Because shame is the devil's playground. He loves it. Shame is where he wants you. Godly sorrow says, I did something bad and I, and I messed up. Okay, I messed up. Worldly sorrow says, I am bad. I am messed up. See the difference? See that? The devil will try to connect your action with your identity. He will try to connect your action with your identity. He tries to turn it from something you did being bad or messed up, to something that you are. You are bad. You are messed up. That's not the truth. But from that moment forward, Satan wants you to believe that you are pathetic, you are worthless, God can never use you again, not after what you did. You'll never be happy. You'll never measure up. You'll never have a good marriage. 
the pain that you're experiencing, that's payment for what, your past, what you did in your past. You deserve this. You're always going to be marked by that thing you did because you are messed up, you are bad, God cannot bless you. All of these are lies. And that's what our enemy, Satan, that's what he likes to do. He lies. John 8, says, there is no truth in him. When Satan lies, he speaks his native language. Isn't that something? He speaks his native language of lying, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You can imagine what the devil is saying to Peter at this moment, right? Peter, you blew it big time. Again. Again. Jesus trusted you. He selected you to be one of his disciples. And then you went off bragging about how great you were and that you'd be there for him. But you, you let him down. You betrayed him. You fell short. And to top it off, Jesus saw you do it. He looked you right in the eye. He doesn't want you anymore. Right? This is what Satan is doing in Peter's head. What does your spiritual enemy want to do? The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. He wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. You're not good enough for God. You'll never measure up. And after what you did, God never could love you again. The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. But God wants to use your remorse to draw you to his grace. Understand this. Godly sorrow says, I don't want that anymore. I have a safe place to turn. I have a God who loves me. A God who still cares about me. A God who receives me even if I messed up. And I want his grace and his forgiveness because I want to be right with him. Not I'm afraid to go to him. No, I messed up. I want to go to him. That's what godly sorrow does. Judas felt remorse and he let Satan's lies eat him up. Peter wept bitterly, but he ran to, he jumped out of the boat in his weakness. And Jesus reiterated the truth to Peter. What's the truth? That he would be the rock that which the church of Jesus would be built on. That was the promise. Ten chapters ago, back in chapter 16, Jesus made to Peter. He said, you will be the rock, Peter, that which I will build my church on. And it didn't change ten chapters later when Peter messed up, did it? That promise did not change. Peter wasn't just it wasn't messed up. He just messed up. There's a difference. Music team, could you please come at this time? Now, we're just about done. When, when Jesus called Peter off to the side, right, after all this was done, he didn't say, I told you. I told you we're going to die. I, mean, I told you, didn't I? I told you this was going to happen. You blew it. I want you to think about what you've done. You are in a spiritual timeout, Peter. Jesus didn't do that, did he? No, he didn't say you need to wallow in your sin for a little while and you need to drown in your guilt because you let me down. No. He just said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. What did Peter say? Peter didn't say, you know, Jesus, I blew it. I can't receive your grace. I'm never going to get over it. I don't deserve it. Jesus, your grace may be enough for John, but it's not enough for me. No, he didn't say that. But that's exactly what we do, don't we? You can't really forgive me, Jesus. I deserve to live in shame for what I did. Pastor, you talk about forgiveness, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've done. Judas responded that way. I'm too far gone. Peter did this. He acknowledged his sin. 
he apologized, he repented, and he received the forgiveness of Jesus. Judas said, there's no way out for me. Peter said, you know what? I messed up. I'm so sorry. I don't want to live like that anymore. Thank you for forgiving me, Jesus. Thank you for making it right. And I don't know what you're holding on to. Maybe it's something that you did years ago and it still weighs on you. Maybe it's something you said a long time ago that you still feel so terrible about. Something that happened in a moment of stupidity. But listen, if you've confessed your sin, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And, and you need to let it go. This, this obviously, now check this out, this is not permission to just sin whenever you want. You're like, wait a minute. I could just ask for forgiveness anytime I want and I have no regret. No, 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 no. That's not what this is. This is not permission to go on sinning. This is about recognizing you've messed up and getting on the right track. God's word says this in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Doesn't matter what you've done. Anything that you have done, you can be forgiven. If you confess your sins, if you truly repent, if you've brought it before God, Jesus has covered it with, that, with the blood that we talked about this morning in communion. God doesn't hold it against you anymore. He has forgotten your sin. You are free if you want to be. Don't let the pain of the past rob you of what God's called you to for the future. Let the reminder of God's grace drive you to follow him more. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you want it or will it, you cannot change your past. The past is the past. You can't. You cannot change your past, but God can change your future. Okay, you need to know that. God can change your future. You did something that you wish you hadn't done. You betrayed someone. You were hooked on something. You smoked something last night. You drank too much last night. You slept with someone last night. I'm talking hours ago, maybe. You made a huge mistake. Acknowledge it as a sin. Apologize. Repent. Receive the forgiveness of Jesus and let your future be a reflection of that, of what Jesus has for you. Don't hold on to it anymore. If you truly repent, this is not like, oh yeah, I messed up last night. I'm going to do it again in a couple hours, but might as well forgive me of that one so I can get forgiveness tomorrow. No, no, no. Okay? Repentance. Turning from that. Really understanding that God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to make you right with him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. To make it right with God. To talk with him. The music team is just going to lead us in a song for a few minutes and you will have the opportunity to acknowledge your sin, to apologize, to repent, and to receive his forgiveness. So I want you to do this. I want you to stand with me all over this place. And that maybe if you're feeling, if you're feeling that nudge a little bit, maybe you have something in your life that you know you need to get rid of, that you need to let go of, maybe this is the time right here, right now. Let's sing together. All right, don't miss this, because this is what's going to happen. Later on this week, maybe this afternoon, Satan is really good at knowing just the right time to bring up your past. He knows just when to plant the thoughts in your mind, like, hey, remember 
when you did this and you said that. You weren't Christian enough to serve or to tell people about Jesus. Jesus won't answer your prayer. You've been too sinful, right? Anytime the devil brings up your past, listen, you need to remind yourself, he's bringing up your past because he's intimidated by your future, your potential future. God's grace is in you. His power works through you. You have a hope and a future is what his word says. God has big plans for your life. And some of you are like, big plans, come on. I'm just me. No, 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 no. You are not just you. You are a child of God. And if God is working in you, if he is in you, if you allow him to work through you, you have big, big things in front of you. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for everyone here that is holding on to something that they may want to move on from. Maybe it's that false guilt that we talked about earlier. Maybe it's the guilt of something you really did something that you really did to hurt someone else. If there's something that has been holding you back, I wanna pray for you. Maybe you just gave it to God during this last song, that's awesome. Maybe you're still struggling with it. Either way, I want to pray for you. So just by a quick raise of your hand, here who would just say, I have something that I'm stuck in a little bit with my guilt and my shame and I'm ready to let it go. Anybody in here says, that's me. Okay, awesome. Anybody else? Yes, all right. All, a lot of us. Let's pray. God, you see the people that are doing first step. They're acknowledging their sin. Right now we're asking for forgiveness. And we want to turn from that direction. We don't want to do it again. We don't want to go back to that. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the knowledge that, that we don't have to hold on to that shame or that guilt anymore. From this moment on, we are free. Keep us from the lies of the enemy Help us to combat his, his lies with your truth of who we really are. We know you have something too big for us to be held back by the shame and the guilt of what we've done. Thank you for this freedom that starts even right now. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Now one more thing before we go. Maybe you are here this morning and as you heard about God's grace, you're thinking, man, I want that. I believe what you're saying about Jesus and his sacrifice and his forgiveness and his love, and I want that. He wants you to know you are loved, that you have been saved from your sins, not, not through your good deeds, but by him dying on the cross for you. And if you're not sure that you have that relationship with him, you can be sure of that right here, right now. And so here's what I'd like everybody to do. Bow your head and close your eyes for just one moment for a time of privacy and reflection and I want to ask you this. If you aren't sure that you are right with God through having a relationship with him and, and you want to start that today, I simply just, again, want you to just raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. Nobody else is looking around. If you say, I have not, not started that relationship with God and I want to do it today, just put your hand up so I can pray for you. This is the biggest decision, Right? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray this prayer out loud. And if you are making this decision to start following God today, I want you to mean it with your whole heart. So everybody just kind of repeat after me as I pray. Say, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me of my sins. 
and help me to live for you from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Let's just celebrate those who made that decision today, huh? All right, before you go, I want to speak this over you. May you walk out of here knowing that you are forgiven by God and by yourself. May you walk in freedom from guilt and shame, knowing that Jesus' sacrifice has paid the price so you don't have to. Thank you so much for being here this week. Have a great week.